record. I don't and want by to. By the way, our contest, just a review between me and Howard, the first guy to mention, you know what? Um, Wait a second. We can't even say. We, we can say Dan's no, wiener no. dog. The first guy that makes a reference to Dan's, you know, main attribute yeah. has to pay the other guy. Now, by the way, we can talk about his balls, his ass, and his taint. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> Hold on a second. I never got that memo. I, okay, oh, so let me just all yeah, the, uh, let me get, yeah. Got, let me get so, so wait balls taint balls taint an asshole all the asshole or just the opening inside the asshole uh, uh, whatever you choose. Okay, so you make that rule. I don't right. want to make all the rules. <laughs> so and by the way, you didn't finish your sentence. So if and and people are already emailing us about this as you'll hear tomorrow. But uh, the contest is the first one of us. That can't resist making a Dan Duran dick joke has to pay the other one 50 bucks. And then what right. we're going to do is keep track. So today is Dan Duran dick joke free zone day one. Okay. <laughs> and Howard, you was, sound a bit different to me. Do you, does he to you? Oh, it's because the original sound is now we're there. There, there we, we go. go. There we go. There we Clicker go. On. Clicker on. Well, I was going to why? Because I was uh, yeah. too concerned with uh, trying to get onto the network right at 730. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I thought you were being serious there for a second. We've got to be professional. I was, I was came into the show, the, the, the connection late because I was outside with my beautiful lake view there. But it started yeah. to rain, and I just didn't want to do that this morning. So, no, I get it. So your leg doesn't have a Loch Ness monster, does it, Dan? No, there's no uh, no. It's just Rolly the uh, the the, <laughs> the musky, the musky. Yeah. Fred, the legend of Rolly. <laughs> Fred. Huh? Fred, do you oh. do you think there's a Loch Ness monster in in the lake in there where Dan's house? Do you think there is? No, I'm not going to say. I, I, you know what? <laughs> I would have a line for that, but I'm afraid that it might step over. Mm. So I'm not. Okay. Well, <clears throat> just wondering. Just wondering. So when you guys have a um, an issue, because I know Tuesdays is uh, pump out day there, whatever you guys call it. <laughs> it's like a big Actually, deal. It's Wednesday. Oh, yeah. okay. They've changed to the Wednesday, and that's when. So if you have a problem with your uh, plumbing there, uh, do you use one of those snakes, like a plumber's snake, Fred? What do you use no. for that? No. No. But don't you, couldn't you go over to Dan's place and borrow his snake? Uh, no. <laughs> See, the concept of those toilets, Howard, they they dro- they just drop. There's no real flush person. Oh, okay, okay. Stuff away. So if you needed yeah. a... So if you it needed just a... drops into the co- holding tank, <laughs> and the idea is to keep lots of liquid in there. Yeah. Or use a... I use these little beads that breaks up the toilet paper and the stools. So by the time <laughs> that it's pumped out, it's just liquid. No, I do not need a snake. Are you I don't saying have the, one and I wouldn't <laughs> use Dan's. Are you saying the uh, the beads that Dan the same type of beads that Dan puts up his asshole? Is that <laughs> See there you go. That's yes. <laughs> That's in play. God, I'm so glad. So we have taint balls and ass. His so you know what? Too. You can go all crazy on his balls. Go crazy. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Just, you know what? This will be no problem for me. I'll just because I can pivot to balls and ass for sure. And who's it's eight? <laughs> we haven't even explored his taint. <laughs> New territory. Great. And will you Dan. do us a favor for yeah? In the next show, measure your taint for us. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that's funny. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Let's try (laughs) get it back on the rails as we start another Humble and Fred program. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studio in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a pool, and from a trailer in the Kawarthas across from a canoe hanging from a tree where it's raining. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now, here are two men who want to rock you like a hurricane, even though the tide is high and there are riders on the storm. It's Humble and Fred. Uh, Before I mention our guest today, and of course everyone knows that Thursday is the email day, I do have an email that I've put aside. That will set up uh, what we're just talking about. Hang on a second. All right. This comes from Mark Baranger or Baranger. He says, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hold on. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Love the idea of the Dan Dick Free joke time on the Humble and Fred show. I would offer my prediction that this will last 10 shows. With Humble paying the $50. I think Fred's frugality will stiffen. (laughs) Sorry about that. His resolve. Wishing Dan a small measure of peace during this dick-free joke time. Resting heart heart rate 71. Bowel movement. Fully recovered from a stomach flu that cleaned me out more thoroughly than my last colonoscopy. All the best, Mark. And uh, that was... He wrote that, obviously, before he knew that dick balls and taint were in play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. You said was... dick balls and taint. Oh, no. sorry. Right. No. Balls, taint, and asshole. Yes. Mm-hmm. B, T, and A. <laughs> sorry. Didn't mean to, you know. Anyway, so thanks, Mark Baranger or Baranger. I know we've, Mark's been emailing us for years, and uh, I should probably know his name by now. Yeah. Um, Dan made all those music references off the top. Yes. And, um, Why is that? Yeah, pardon me? Why is that? I don't know. He just he was being creative. Oh, okay, right, but also yeah, the the uh, hurricane and uh, oh, rock me, yes, the it's going to hit category four. It's going to hit by like uh, eight o'clock or something. That's I'm that's sorry, it's going to hit where? Well, up again. Uh, we'll have to talk to Tim about it. Right up through the Tampa area. And uh, last night, listening to the Blue Jay game, they were talking about they've gone to great measures to protect the training facility the blue jay training facility in dunedin so just going to sweep up that way which is around where um you know the sherpa's home is his southern home so yeah scary times and remember there was the last year or the year before where like four myers beach was uh, wiped out like literally the beach the sand uh was taken away and they're expecting 12 foot um Ocean surge, surge or storm, whatever. Storm mm-hmm. surge, yeah. Storm surge, and that's scary. Oh, very scary times. Very, very scary times. By the way, it's moved a little bit for, uh, as of this morning. Uh, that The storm has moved a little bit further north, Oh, uh, north of uh, Tampa. Uh, oh. I'm sure the Tampa and that, there's a four-foot storm for surges around the Tampa area that, that are predicted right now. Oh. And it's going to be hitting in the next uh, 
the next hour or so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, well, and, uh, go, and, uh, and there they're talking about it going out through across and up through Georgia and, mm. uh, and hitting Savannah oh, a little bit. Well, that is I interesting hope, information. I hope it gets Marjorie Taylor Greene, wipes yeah. out her home, and she's in it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, way to like just put the kibosh on the, uh, you know, balls and tame fun. Way way to pivot Way to pivot away from that Mm -hmm. I said interesting Uh, Yeah I hope it uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene No but the music thing too I'm reading this morning that Eminem Has asked uh, Vivek Ramaswamy Ramaswamy Stop stop using his song Lose Yourself I'm not familiar with this song Yeah you are you know, from time to time, this pops up. Can you imagine being an artist and, you know, you your work is literally stolen or used by evil forces? So anyway, Eminem has come out and said, stop using Lose Yourself. Yeah, you know this song. Um, this was a big song in the Glassman household. Both of my kids used to, uh, oh, you know, okay. rap this in there when they were like little kids. They'd come out and they would do this whole thing and uh, but once it once it kicks into the actual song you'll know it because you've uh, you've heard versions of this here we go boom 973 you've only got one shot if you had one shot one opportunity one opportunity my kids would be little kids in the kitchen everything you ever lip syncing this one moment cool that Vivek Ramaswamy is a fucking greaseball. That's all I'm going to say. Fucking right he is. He's so greasy. So, um, Dan, do you know this song? Colton might have been uh, into this song. You know it? Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard this song before. I would say one of my favorite rap songs right here. And here comes the chorus. Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't know what he's playing at. He's a guy in his late 30s. I don't, maybe he wants to be in the Trump government, but you said something the other day. Maybe we were talking. I don't want to get into Trump right now, but but, but uh, maybe this was off here. But he knows better. He's a smart kid. He's a smart guy. He just knows better. But for some reason, they just they leech themselves to this heinous orange mess. And and for reasons that are just beyond me now. Well, for him, it's futures, right? He's playing to that base for futures. So, again, yeah. so he can come away when Trump is out of the picture, if that ever happens. So that he can look at that base and say, hey, I only supported him. I wasn't one of the... Yeah, guys. I mean, that may be true, but uh, it's all so greasy. Uh, so yesterday, oh, yeah. yesterday, I was talking about today's show at the end of the show. And I said, uh, yeah, Michael Landsdart is going to be on the show. And we were thinking, well, is that Michael Landsberg? And, uh, you know, listen, Toronto Mike's very busy. And, and, you know, once in a while, not often, um, he just 
It was the wrong name there. It's Michael Landsberg joining us today. Michael will join us. He's been on the leading edge of uh, mental illness and an advocate advocate for uh, conversations, bringing it out in the open. And uh, he's going to come on. He's a uh, now founder of hashtag sick, not, not weak. We've spoken to Michael about this before, and um, it'll be really, really good. Yes. Michael's one of those guys, right, that uh, goes out of his way to do good for others. He really does. And yep. what he suffered with and uh, willing to help others through their struggles. Yeah, it's going to be great. Special guy. Really. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm, it, it was a combination. I don't think I misread it. I could have, but I don't think I did. Uh, Dan, I have a little fun. I thought I'd do a little fun thing for uh, our last day of work before Humble and Fred. Super long weekend because, of course, there's a long weekend that the stat is Labor Day. And then we're off next week because, well, you know, it's, it's getting down to the short strokes here in the summer. And the old guys need, a, need more time off. That makes sense. So some little, a little fun before a little the, fun. Uh, the A little rest. comedy fun, Dan. Okay, comedy fun. Let's go. Uh, this is, I don't know the kid's name. Is a stand-up. Very, very funny. Uh, talking about conspiracy theorists. And, and as fathers, uh, I think we can all relate to this. How do you not believe in any conspiracy theories? I understand not all of them, not most of them, but you don't believe in any conspiracy theories? <laughs> you just think the government's just batting a thousand and telling us the whole truth? <laughs> That's a strong stance to take. <laughs> and again, as I said before, I don't like talking about politics on stage or off stage. So I don't like talking about things I don't feel like I'm truly knowledgeable in. But I do know this. Our government is placed in charge of all of its people. I'm a father who's been placed in charge of just one son. And I lie to that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just a great bit. I'm in charge of one son, and I lie to that kid all the time. So there you go, Dan. That's a little palate cleanser between all the silly talk about your areas and appendages. You know, that's not what we're into anymore. We're a highbrow program. Highbrow comedy. That was a very good piece of comedy right there. That's what that was. Uh, yeah, you guys, Dan's already up north. Fred, your plans are to go up there and spend the uh, next week and a half? Pretty much. And the weather forecast, again, not, you know, we don't like to talk about weather on the show. No, no. What does it mean when you're listening to this podcast a week from now, as people often do? Or if you're in Japan. <laughs> well, they don't have weather in Japan? <laughs> Not this weather. But as of Saturdays, uh, Saturday and well into next week, it's going to be in the 30s. Isn't that something? Yeah, it's going to be stunning. I'm going to play a little golf. Uh, that's one of the reasons I'm away next week. I'm going to be, where am I going to be? This, uh, I have a tournament tomorrow. I have a tournament on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll be in London. And then Thursday, I have a tournament here in Scarborough. And uh, But, Dan, I have a, a thing that... These are the kind of stories, Dan. Again, nothing to do with all your tainties and things. Mm-hmm. This is about... Something that's going to happen. You guys up north will see. A rare blue moon. A, blair, a rare blue super moon. Uh, according to CTV, brightens the night sky this weekend. The closest full moon of the year, Daniel. Yes. Not by much, but yes, it's, uh, you know. It's, you know, one of those things. The super moon and the blue moon. The blue yeah. moon is just another moon in the same month. Oh, okay. 
But two, did, two full moons in the same month. But Daniel, the yeah. this moon is going to be 160 kilometers closer than the August 1st blue moon. Just to be clear, just to clarify. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> okay. Another uh, notation here. Uh, the sun, the moon, and the earth are close to a direct alignment, apparently. And... Um, this is going to make the storm surge for the hurricanes even worse. Mm. So this this is like piling on those people. It, isn't it, it's fascinating too, isn't it? Like we know, like I learned it in school, how the moon affects the earth and tides. Sure. And it's crazy how all that stuff works together. Well, there, you know, the Lord, the Lord really had us thinking. Oh, the Lord! The Lord was thinking. He was pretty. You know what he did? The Lord put on his thinking cap, mm-hmm. and he he just he did. You know what I don't understand? Because I, you know, I got to grade six. Is <laughs> uh. <laughs> Like, I'm reading here, Dan, the stats. It says that this will be the closest full moon of the year. Uh, 357,344 kilometers, as, or as I say, 160 kilometers closer. And then it goes on to say, as a bonus, Saturn will be visible as a bright point five degrees to the upper end of the moon at sunset, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, who knows that? Who, who knows that? And how did they figure that out? Dan, do you have any idea? You went, you went a little further in school than me. You were in grade nine. So, yeah. Didn't you ever have one of those in school, those, uh, those models with the sun in the middle and then the, all the planets that sort of rotated around it and you could move the, move the wires around the, the sun? Sure, I did. And then a little tiny wire? But that didn't tell me. But I mean, but, but I didn't know that was 220,000, you know, miles from Earth. Who knows that? Okay, who, what's your bit here? Well, my, okay, here's my bit. <laughs> Just to clarify, because I can see you're confused. Yes. How do we know that? I mean, like, I know that there's some... There's, I, I know it's science and math and smart people. I watched Oppenheimer. But but the first guy to do that, to be able to actually calculate that, I find that well, fascinating. Well, that's, you know, through the history of humanity. Every so often, a brain pops up that allows these things to... Wasn't part of that Galileo. Galileo. Part, part of that. But to the to the to the kilometer three three hundred fifty seven thousand three hundred forty four kilometers, not three forty three. Dan, uh, by the way, just so you know, this there won't be another blue supermoon. You, you seem to downplay it, Dan, until twenty thirty seven, and you'll be one hundred and twenty in in that year. Well, it's still all. It, it's just in. It, there's nothing super special about it, I guess, in, mm-hmm. unless you're into astrology. But the supermoon part is just that it's a little bit closer. So visually speaking, it's a little bit closer. Yeah, 160 kilometers closer. You really can't determine it. It's not that that much of a difference. Mm. But it is a supermoon, and we can call it that, and that's nice. Well, I I thought you'd be, I really thought you'd be more thrilled about this information. Mm. Especially the fact that it won't be around until 2037. You'll be long gone by then. (laughs) What blows my mind, Howard, to... um, lean into what you're talking about is back you know in the primitive times how these guys first started to latch onto that and come up i guess a lot you know with measurement and however they did it and in primitive times to actually start these uh exactly measurements and these uh, theories Mm -hmm. and, and of course over the centuries they're refined right like, they couldn't pinpoint it then as they can today, obviously, but to actually go there, you know, is... 
Well, to break away from the flat earth uh, world and into what science shows and uh, has demonstrated over and over again. And and you're right, Fred, over time, like there's a wobble in the earth or when the magnetic poles move and uh, the, the, the moon around the earth is not 100% elliptical uh, or, you know, round. It's like it, there's a little bit of a change in it when it, so uh, the distance from the moon to the earth. So it's like those things are and the earth's not entirely round either. These are all things that they figure out over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm well, still your balls fat. aren't entirely round either. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See how much fun balls are, Dan. <laughs> if anybody wondered where this was going, that's right. Dan, right Dan, Dan, why don't you paint your asshole blue? <laughs> Anyway, Dan Supermoon. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I am fascinated by it because we talk about it like, yeah, that's a thing and we can measure this. And there are people who, you know, uh, there are uh, astronomers and scientists that know this, but I don't know how they do it. I'm so, I, and, and, and I'm not saying you two don't or do, but most of us just walk around going, yeah, I guess we just take that for granted that some people that somebody knows how to do that. Isn't it like geometric? Like, um, I don't know. There's sure. lots of geometry involved. For sure, sure there's geometry yeah. involved. But we don't really know how it works. You two don't know. You're just saying words. No, like, I know. Well, you're what saying, do you want? Like, I here want... we are on this, uh, like, what is it, a Wednesday morning, yeah. and you bring this out of, you just bring this out of nowhere, and... I, you actually think we should know? <laughs> no, Fred, let's let's no, just. I don't. Just, no, no, we're you're just missing the point. Hold on, saying, you're missing the point. I'm saying that most we just assume that somebody knows it, but we don't know it. And you can throw geometry. Yeah. Somebody it. knows how to do heart surgery. Exactly. We don't, we don't know how. Mm-hmm. Let's just appreciate Fred exactly. Howard's wonder. Thank he's you. got wonder in him now. Thank you. And he's got some yeah. wonder. You know, he wants to share the wonder. Mm-hmm. There's lots of other things to wonder about. And right. uh, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I barely, I mean, I know Dan does, but I barely understand how my voice goes through these wires into the thing. You know, I don't know. It just does. Well, even that, you know, and often this stuff, Things like that, technology, a lot in the early stages of technology, some of it happened by mistake. You know, one experiment, uh, something else pops up, sort of like Viagra. You know what I mean? It's sure. made for one thing and it creates another. And I think sound technology and airwaves and everything was almost like a bit of an accident. It was a byproduct of another experiment or another application. Sure. And it, we just, just grows from there. I, th- I think, you know, again, I'm being a little bit, you know, facetious for the fun of the show, but I think a lot of people just wander around the earth, uh, seeing things, turning on lights, uh, talking into microphones, whatever we're doing right now, and don't really understand the the science behind it and that what made me think of it is mm-hmm. the part of this uh, the story i read saturn will be visible as a bright point five degrees to the upper end of the moon well somebody knows how to figure that out somebody I, and i know listen i know i sound stupid but it is part of a larger fascination with the fact that we have all this technology at our fingertips and most of us have no idea where it came from and how it works that's all it- and really, go ahead and mock never me. Take, never take the time to scratch below that surface. I, 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 I totally get it. Like I, totally I know, get it. I know exactly how a golf club interacts with a golf ball 
geometrically uh, taking ball turf contact and what produces that spin. I could sort of have a conversation about that, but I really couldn't unless Dan was helping me. Uh, really wander through how microphones work and how uh, impulses get put into a a digital form. I really couldn't. I mean, I understand that I'm doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of that stuff that I just just Mm -hmm. passed me by. That's why. I started by saying, I only got to grade six. Listen, I had to go out and work in the fields like a lot of farm kids. (laughs) Wait, I don't know what blows me away. You look at the earliest forms of navigation, like back in the days of Christopher Columbus and Vasco da Gama. They would put ships in the ocean and navigate by stars at night, Mm -hmm. day, moon, the sun. Like, where did that start? You know, if we just follow this and that, we're going to end up there. It's like... Just think about that. Wasn't that Copernicus? Didn't he do something? Sure. See, there you go. No one knows. But you, um, Dan, yeah, so, Dan, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dan, you have a question. So it was these people with big brains, it's like, yeah. thank goodness for them. Yeah. Dan, I'm sorry. You laughed when I said I worked out in the field. You know that. I was, I was out just going to ask you, did you, you didn't work any fields. Did you? You actually worked in a field? Did some field work? Dan, like I, I, Dan I just want to pause for Dan, I want to pause for a second. You've known Fred and I now together. You've known me 40 billion years, but you've known Fred yeah. for 34 years. You know that a very great amount of the things we say in the show are just nonsense. Yeah. You know, you know, I went past grade six. Of course, I didn't work in a field. My dad had a menswear store on Main Street, but it's fun to say silly things. Well, I know you were cl- you're, you're in Moose Jaw, <laughs> so, you know, you're right no, next I, to a But lot I of said field. I quit school in grade six to go work in the fields. I mean, that's just nonsense. <laughs> I didn't think grade six, but I thought, you know, you, you made it to grade seven. So <laughs> you, of, of all the people the, that would know, I didn't work in the field. You think you have you not been paying attention to anything <laughs> since 1978? Dan, Fred, go ahead. <laughs> Please save us. No, I was going to say grade six. That's ridiculous. He's not Jethro Bodine. Um, <laughs> That's right. I know, but, how to, but, I know how to cipher. What I was going to say, have you talked to Julieta yet about getting you through your grade 11? Uh, yeah, I guess she's a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could get through grade 11. She could help you. Yeah, if I could do it in Spanish. In arithmetic. Well, I don't know if I should. It would do. be nice. You get a grade 11, and the next thing you know, you work on your grade 12. You get yourself a diploma. <laughs> well, you know, the Mexicans and the Mayans and uh, algebra and shit, I could probably, I could oh, probably yeah. ace it in Spanish. Um, all right, Dan. Uh, da, 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 we got Michael Landsberg coming up. Dan, will you? Uh, so here's the thing we'll do like we do on Wednesdays because we got the Sherpa, we got Landsberg, we got Toronto Mike. So we'll do, we'll do, uh, Fred and I are going to do some stuff here and then. Uh, do the news right after Landsberg. As soon as you hear us wrapping it up, if you can. All right. Okay. You're a good boy. Right. Dan. Yep. Dan. Yeah. Thank you for your service. And, uh, okay. and hope you're enjoying uh, day one of Dan Duran, no dick jokes day. Ah. All right. It's kind of, uh, it's refreshing in a way. She hates my mom. <laughs> By the way, for the record, it was he that instituted the uh, balls taint and asshole. I, I was ready to go completely. Uh, but, you know, hey, maybe we just, it's like um, winning ourselves off it. I mean, wienering ourselves. You were going to work clean? Is that what you are going to say? I was going to work completely clean until he introduced that whole thing. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys in a bit. Enjoy all your uh, guests. And, Thank you, you know, Dan. Banter and whatever. Dan Duran, you're our favorite guest. 
All right. Okay. Howie, um, again, why aren't we this on the show? It's, the feed's sounding like a little choppy to me today for whatever reason. Am I okay? You seem fine. Everything, everything on this end is uh, as it should be. It's like when you're talking, like, every so often it clips or something. Well, uh, I could, maybe that's the uh, attack on the microphone, but I haven't changed anything. Okay. And you sound uh, fantastic there, fellow. Oh, so the finished product is all that matters. That's fine. I'll live with it. Maybe it's something at my end, but I'm not about to dive into that right now. All right, well, why don't you uh, do a little uh, thing here for our friends, uh, uh, and uh, I'll do one as well. Okay, uh, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Uh, if you have a small business, uh, a benefits plan is possible. Go to chamberplan.ca, chamberplan.ca. You can get a free quote. Uh, you know, our buddy... Um, Excuse me. Brett Tanner? Rod Johnson? (laughs) No, Brett Tanner. I'm sorry. Are you okay? Yeah, it was just a little throat thing. Our buddy Brett Tanner, uh, you know, was on the show a couple of weeks ago and told uh, told us about the new products coming along under the uh, Chambers of Commerce uh, Group Insurance umbrella. Uh, They're always thinking of new ways and better ways to help subscribers. And uh, mental health is a component that's been added. An HR department has been added. Things that you can use when you're part of the chamber plan. And again, as a small business, they are affordable. Again, I can sit there and make that claim, but the best thing for you to do is go to chamberplan.ca, click on the badge that says get a free quote and get a free quote. All the information is there, exactly what you can get, what levels you can buy into, and what exactly it's going to cost you. So it's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. I uh, just looked uh, on Facebook. Apparently, you're not the only one to think that something's wrong with my microphone. I just changed uh, inputs. Does that sound any better? Um, Yeah, because Dan sounded fine to me. Yeah, what about this now? Does that sound okay? Yes. I I don't know what could have... I mean, maybe the fader was... uh... Yeah, I, I have no idea, guys. I was just looking that at here. Uh, Ed loves Ed Lovekin said something wrong with Howard's mic, and he says, "Okay, that one sounds fine." Jason said, nope. "Very choppy." Still doing it now. It's still doing it now. To me, yes. Well, I uh, don't know what to do. It, I, that's got to be because I've changed inputs. So hang on a second. So that's not the problem. And if you're still hearing it, although now they're saying it sounds fine. Well, you just clipped a bit there for me. And again, that might just be my... This might be coincidence. No, no, they're, they're, they're hearing it on Facebook, but I don't know mm-hmm. what uh, optimal... Let me just check something here. To, 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 to audio, Zoom, bait, mic is on where it's supposed to be. Uh, I mean, we could shut down... We could just shut down uh, Zoom for a second. We might as well just shut it down. I mean, we can... I'll just yeah, edit maybe it together. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so but I'm lot, not clipping to you or anything. Not a bit. And I'm still clipping okay. to you. Yeah, you just did there. To me. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, we're not going to start the show again. But to you guys on Facebook, we're just going to shut down here for uh, about a minute and see if that does anything. All right. See you in a minute. All right. Okay. So uh, I'm going to keep recording.
while we do this. <clears throat> because why not? Do, 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 that way I don't have to edit it. Edit it. Edit it. See? Edit it. Okay. Join with computer audio, original sound. Okay, Fred should join us back here in a second. Edit it. See, that sounds dirty. <laughs> okay. You know, we're, we really are juvenile. Here comes Freddie. He's back. Now I have to do this thing again on Facebook. All right. Okay. I've just kept recording during the entire time because that way I don't have to edit it. Can you hear me now? Yes. Does it sound choppy? Not so far. Yeah, it has to be a a Zoom thing because everything else is fine. Okay. I'm just uh, getting back here on Facebook. Show continues. Um, Yeah. Remember to turn your original sound on again. Yeah, it's on. Uh, everything okay. else uh, seems fine. Share to your page. Well, okay. you'll be able to edit. You'll be able to edit this part. Of I don't it. have you'll to. See the, you'll see the flat line. Oh, I thought you said you continued to. I, no, I continued to talk. Oh, okay. the whole thing only right took on. a minute. Oh, okay, right on. Perfect. Yeah, so I, I just talked, and that way I don't have to edit it. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting when you say edit it, there's tit in it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, oh, I like a nice tit. Like a nice titty. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so uh, somebody's saying we're, now hopefully this is, because it says we're getting a small audio clipping from Howard's mic. Reboot, fellas. We did. I just rebooted. Uh, how, so, how about now? Any clipping? Uh, since we've come back, No. But again, you're thinner than usual in my ears. That's why I kept adjusting my my earbuds. Hold on. You don't have that full body sound. Okay, I'm going back to my original microphone. How does that sound? Again, it's not really enough to determine, but... Well, I, I honestly, I don't know what else to look. Let's proceed and see yeah, what yeah, happens. Yeah, what well, else I, can we do? I don't know, man. Uh, I know I've got some stuff to do. You know, I got I got uh, business to take care of. <sighs> Let's see how this works. <clears throat> I was uh, at uh, evnet.ca yesterday, hanging out with Daryl and Mav, uh, mapping out some strategy, and we had this conversation about how we could get our listeners into a electric vehicle. It doesn't have to be a Tesla, but the idea is we want to figure out a way for you to try. To drive electric, even for a day, a weekend, or a week if you want. And next week when we come back, or after next week, we've got an idea for a contest that will give you an opportunity to get into one of these vehicles. In the meantime, for more information, go to evnet.ca and check out all the options that are there. You can get a uh, Tesla if you want, but you can also get a Kona, a Bolt, a Nissan Leaf. Call 18, uh, there it is, 1 800 387 9391. That's 1 800 387 9391. Visit the electric experience that you choose at evnet.ca. 
Well, I don't know what to tell you, folks. Uh, my microphone is in exactly the same place it always is. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, during your read there, it clipped a couple of times again. What what to do? What to do? Well, these guys are saying no clipping. Uh, Steve Edmonton Steve says, sounds fine to me. Okay. So right. here's what I would say. Somehow... Like I was going to say, your feed, there's nothing that's changed here on this board. All right. Well, if it was just me hearing it, I wouldn't be concerned. But if the uh, listenership is hearing some of it, well, then that's obviously more of a problem. But again, it's not like this. we can't be heard or it's indiscernible. Right. Let's proceed. Um, Mike just said, uh, if it's clipping, it's so mild you can barely tell. So let's just move okay. on. Right on. Um, there's a bunch of stuff I wanted to get to before we uh, finished off the week, but uh, this is a great uh, quote. You'll love this. I found this and I said, oh, I got to share this with Freddie. And it's, uh, I, I share this on my uh, Twitter feed. It says, white supremacists use the Bible to justify their racism. But here's the thing. There are no white people in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Very well, profound. Like, yeah, exactly. All, all those people mm-hmm. in biblical times, they, mm-hmm. including Jesus, they mm-hmm. weren't this, like the, the popular modern version of the picture of Jesus everyone sees is this sort of blondy, long-haired, sort of hippie-looking dude with a, a light beard and light skin, and all the apostles are light-skinned, except for Judas. Mm-hmm. Yet in actual fact, the people that were alive on the planet in that area at this time, first of all, he, Jesus and his buddies were all Jews, and, and Jews of a certain type, the Middle Eastern Jews being very dark, almost black. And uh, that's interesting that the white supremacists use the, the Bible to justify their racism, even though... There's no white people in the Bible, which I thought you'd find, at the very least, interesting. You know, I've made this observation a couple of times now. I don't know why I'm doing it to myself, but I became a subscriber of Truth Social because I just I'm fascinated by that world. And whenever Trump makes a posting, right, most of it is memes for the first several respondents. Like, obviously, they've controlled it to the point where when he makes a statement on Truth Social, the first several, almost first couple of hundred are all in support before you can scroll down to anybody going, wait a minute, (laughs) you're wrong. Mm. But anyway, when you click on a lot of the affirmative stuff, the stuff that worships Trump, the first thing you see on the posting when the people describe themselves, it's God-fearing, Christian, you know. And a lot of the memes are, God bless our uh, Donald Trump. And there's pictures of him there with Jesus behind him with his hands on his shoulders. And it's like, it's so, it is so creepy. And then, you, you know, we've talked about that correlation of, you know, evangelicals and then like being attracted to a philanderer, liar, rapist. It's just crazy. Yeah. You know, and I know we've had this discussion before you and I, but of all the curiosities around this, and a lot of it is curious. Mm -hmm. Isn't that one of the most bizarre, like that, that during COVID when Trump went out uh, Mm -hmm. side of the white house and he had the Bible upside down and, 
you know, in a hilarious irony that all, but, but, but still then these people supported him and, and I'm not, you listen, I can't figure out the moon, but I'm smart enough to figure out the correlation. As you just mentioned, I get that, that they're, that the evangelicals support Trump because he hates what they hate. Well, this is it. And he never, you know, I saw a couple, a couple of weeks ago when, uh, you know, Obama, when, um, he was campaigning against John McCain and people wanted to go down and dirty with John McCain. He said, Hey, Hey, stop right now. This is not personal. This is political. He's my political rival. He's not a bad man. Mm -hmm. I thought that's pretty cool. Number one, Trump would never do that. He'd just feed the fire. Like now he calls uh, Chris Christie, sloppy Chris, sloppy Chris. Yeah, I know. I know. Anyway. So he goes, got Like he's a gutter pig. Um, <laughs> yes. Trump Trump never discounts racism no or um white supremacy. It's almost like again he knows that's my base, that's what they love. I'm not going to push back against that. It's pretty uh disgusting. I mean that in itself should be enough for somebody to turn their back on the guy. But again, it's the point of this conversation. They like it. They want it. They're they're intolerant those people. Yeah, and they'll they'll accept anything. You know, that's what I said to you last week. There's no, there's never any humanity in Donald Trump. The there's, and that's why they'll be studying this for years. I, there's another term I heard this morning that they described him. It's a another version of psychosis that he has to add to the giant list of you know, starting with narcissism and going through the alphabet. But there's never any like that moment you just described with Obama. A lot of other presidential candidates and and Canadian politicians have had those moments of humanity. Like, come on, everyone, we're, this isn't we're, we're, this is a game we're playing. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. But, but but there's and and that thing I said to you a long time ago about Donald Trump. There's never a sense of humor with him, and and that's really one of the most. Mm-hmm. telling things about his personality is he never kind of goes i know you know like the fact that he can call chris christie who's almost not quite as big as his own sloppy self that mm-hmm. nickname belies any kind of self-awareness like he like he doesn't think we can see what a fat sloppy pig he is and the thing is you talk about compassion and humanity chris christie He's been pretty candid with his predicament, you would call it. Um, he had the gastro, uh, gastro bypass surgery because he struggled with his weight. You know, and there are those people you look at, oh, stop eating, you fat people. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. often it's beyond that. And um, Chris Christie, it, it was, it's been a ma- major struggle in his life, and it's well known. And, you know, the lengths he's gone to try and correct that or help himself but Trump doesn't care about that even, you know? Well, that goes to my point of lack mm-hmm. of, you know, situational and self-awareness, not the least of which is Trump has not a lot of the, you'd think, first of all, you'd have some kind of compassion for people, as you described. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where at least Chris Christie's got the self-awareness and the self whatever to admit that he has a problem. But what about the fact that there's probably a large portion of the Trump followers that are also struggling with addiction and weight and and mental illness, like all of that, just shows what a how detached he is from the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get to uh, let's continue part of this conversation with our good friend Michael Landsberg because um, 
you know, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that uh, is the opposite in terms of self-awareness. Um, for many years, uh, we were all fans of Michael Landsberg's uh, take on sports and his, you know, profile in the country. And But now it's interesting in whatever act this is, Michael Landsberg has, and I, I'm going to use the word pivot <laughs> because I can. He has pivoted to uh, becoming the person that people go to when it comes to having frank and open discussions about mental health and mental illness. Interesting that his uh, show Off the Record often connotes, has the connotation of a hushed conversation about mental illness that he has spent a good amount of his life uh, the last few years bringing a light to. And always a pleasure to welcome back to our program. Michael Landsberg. I'm, we're great. How could we not be great? Well, I mean, I, I guess you could have some horrible illness and that would make you not great. So it's a legit <laughs> question. How are you? Fred, how are you? Not bad, pal. How are you? <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah, I just I was going to well say, change, for, change your screen, the, the angle of your screen, because for a second there, it looked like you were uh, lying in bed. And I was like, is Michael okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sitting fully upright. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, glad to join you guys. And I like the word pivot. I, I think it was appropriate. I think that uh, I live a totally different life today than I did throughout most of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I think the challenge is, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this, the challenge when you do something that you really enjoy uh, and that has some profile to it uh, and gives you recognition. It's easy to define yourself as as your job. Right. Hi, I'm Michael Landsberg, host of Off the Record. Uh, but when you do that, you're very vulnerable because eventually it's going to be taken away or you're going to give up on it. And then who are you? You know, if I was Michael Landsberg, host of Off the Record, uh, what am I now? So I worked really hard throughout my career in television to not see myself as that, but to see myself more as uh, Corey and Casey's dad, uh, Karen's husband, um, Ron and Annalise's son. Uh, and I think that it allowed me to move to something totally different and fresh. You know, that's such a great point, because obviously Howard and I can relate to that. Yeah. I mean, we're still doing this show, but, you know, you're our heyday of the edge when Humble and Fred was known by a big portion of the city. And it's funny when that's quickly taken away from you. I know I along the way I had those thoughts, too. It's like, who am I now? What mm-hmm. do I do now? And again, you're, as you say, defined by your sort of stage presence as opposed to the person. So, and again, we're still doing the show, so I don't know what's next when we stop doing this. It's it's something to think about. Oh, you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> no, exactly. I, I I think also there's uh, there's something about uh, recognition, uh, and I always called myself a B celebrity, but that can be intoxicating if you're not really careful. If if you let it get to you, like I, I work with guys at TSN where I thought, oh my god, they don't see themselves in any way the way I see myself. Like you could you could just see how they glowed when they were recognized and how they searched that out and how it fed something inside them that when it was taken away was going to be a big problem. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. You know, it's fun to be recognized. It's fun to be the most 
famous person in a room. That's why I never wanted to be in a room with you two guys, because then I would fall to number three. <laughs> oh, <Ooh>. yes. <laughs> well, yeah. you're being very kind. Uh, you know, the, the, well, again, we, we, we did the same thing. I used to say to people, you know, if you're the most well-known person in your apartment building, you have a feeling of what it's like to be famous. So for a while, all three of us had a pretty high profile, certainly in this market, you across the country. And so... You know, it is intoxicating. And, I, and I've been doing quite a bit of work about this idea of, of separating self from craft. And the problem with not separating self from craft is you become so identified with that thing that it becomes for. And, and we've all seen this for a lot of radio people and TV people, certainly locals, local celebrities. When they don't have that, they don't know who that self is anymore. Where Fred and I have had this opportunity to have kind of a third act to our career that we enjoy, but it's we're not we're not intoxicated by by it in it the way we by it the way we used to be. I would say so. In a way, it's kind of a soft exit because we get to do it. We love doing it, but then at nine o'clock, it's we, I go on and be a golfer and a, you know a bunch of other stuff that I do, and it's not quite the same way when you get fired or you stop abruptly. You know what I'm saying? I know there's a long drawn up. Uh, diatribe but yeah yeah, i think that uh the time to prepare for that yes is not the day like i remember the day that uh, off the record got canceled uh and i had prepared myself for that day in the short term probably for a couple years knowing that tv was changing and that they would simply say okay well you know what we can do another half hour sports center uh it's not going to cost us much more than doing the half hour Mm -hmm. we're already doing and i knew that was coming and i and i and i respected that i mean you could see that tv was dying uh when we started off the record any idiot could have hosted a show at six o'clock seriously on tsn and got at least a decent audience because people came home from work and they turned on tsn uh now they don't come from home from work and turn on tv period Mm -hmm. Uh, they come Mm -hmm. uh You know, they have totally different habits, but I prepared myself for that. So the day I can I can tell you guys the day I walked out of that one building uh, on the last uh, on my last show for off the record, I have not thought about it in any way since then except to reflect on you know when people ask me a question hey how about that how about how about that show with humble uh how about that show with Fred? you know i hear that all the time i live mm-hmm. on college street or close to college street hey landsberg how you doing man how's humble and fred i love those guys you got to get them back and bret hart too <laughs> yeah. so it's uh i i think it's something you got to prepare yourself for otherwise you're screwed you know you know who i compare it to uh you know from the nature of the show we we had a, a ton of ex-hockey players it was way easier to get ex-hockey players than current hockey players and almost everyone that i spoke to uh hit a wall uh the moment they retired mm-hmm. and it was like like you can imagine how you're defined by being a hockey player uh stepping on the ice on saturday night scotia bank arena you know with the crowd going nuts mm-hmm. how are you ever going to find anything to replace that and uh it's a huge problem and some guys never do let me uh, I, second time this morning i'm using the word correlation correlation you know you're a thinker Howard and I are thinking, and you know that whole concept or that thing you think too much. Do you think your the way you think added to your problems with depression and anxiety? Yes, because I know I, how because yes. because Howard, you know, has dealt with anxiety. I know I have as well. 
And I just wonder, and it comes from, again, not living in the moment and just relaxing right now, always thinking of the next thing and overthinking. So again, and you've already answered the question, you say yes. Yeah, um, but I can give you more uh, because I think about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that, I mean, this would be way too simplified. So it's, it's not like I, I think this is the answer. But, you know, with anxiety, especially we think about the future too much. Right. You know, that's mm-hmm. to me what anxiety is uh, at a certain level. I think there's two dimensions to anxiety. There is this fear that we have of specific things happening and our inability in some ways to handle what all of us are going to need to handle in our lives. And that's looking forward and and being worried about things that are legit to worry about. Uh, No, I'm going to say three dimensions. Then you got all the things that aren't necessarily legit to worry about that a person with anxiety has to worry about because of the nature of their illness. And then there is this third dimension to it, which is just this feeling of of unease you know i kind of feel like it's an electrical current going through my body where and if in a, the physical manifestation would be me i you can't see it but i my leg shakes right oh you can this is a really good visual way to show it <laughs> sorry special so effects I, I, all of a sudden yeah i know you see that's what you get with landsberg special effects it's i think it's a huge thing in my life, and I think that uh, I've never quite learned how to handle it. You know, parents, when they have kids, they're, you know, your kids get sick, and that's incredibly difficult for all parents, right? But I, I think that uh, in the case of my daughter, when, when she was young and she, uh, and she was you know, pretty sick, I think that uh, I never recovered from it. And I think I should have gone for therapy. I think about this a lot. I think mm-hmm. that it changed uh, in a lot of ways how I process things. It made me um, like afraid sometimes to to answer the phone for fear of what was coming, even though no one was going to call me and tell me anything bad about my daughter at that point. But I think I've learned to avoid things. And that's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, another correlation. A lot of people confuse nerves with anxiety. And a lot of the things that we're talking about are baked into our brains, you know, from millions of years of evolution, the old brain, you know, being on alert for the flight, flight, the fight, flight or freeze. And then the new brain is the one that rationalizes things. So I have a question for you. So how have so knowing that, you know, again, nerves are nerves are actually more in the moment. This thing's happening now. I'm excited about it. I'm about to go on stage or the show's about to start. And anxiety is that is is multitasking brain in the future brain in the past what about this overthinking what fred was saying so how do you deal with it now how have you dealt with it and how do you deal with it now you know funny how when i when i talk about anxiety people say well you know like what was television like or now Mm -hmm. i give uh you know i'm on stage now that's sort of my outlet or one of my outlets for performing which which i've loved more than anything. And what I found was I didn't need to talk about sports to love it, that there were other things that made me happy. And it's simply, I think it's the act of performing that I really like. I like being in that circumstance, the center of attention. Uh, so I, I think people can't quite grasp the idea that uh, I was always relaxed on television, always like right from the beginning. I'm always relaxed if I feel good. Uh, and I'll explain that to you in a second when I get on stage. But people with that, you know, can't imagine because of the angst it brings to them 
being in my position with anxiety. But what you just said explains it. You know, it's not that fear of going out on stage or looking into the camera and talking. That's not anxiety so much as it is nerves. Like you said, I've never heard it said like It's nerves. I'm going to totally take that. Pardon me? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to totally steal that. I think it's. Well, I'll uh, tell you where I got it from. I got it from a sports performance guy named Raymond Pryor, who I've had on my golf show a couple of times. He's a bright, bright guy. And that's what he talks about. He said a lot of times athletes and performers like us, they confuse nerves and anxiety because nerves like, listen, I'm, I went on stage a couple nights ago. I'm going on stage in a, a week and a half doing some stand up. I know I get excited, nervous, that feeling of butterflies. But anxiety is different. Anxiety is that what Freddie was talking about is the. And what he's what Raymond told me is brains hate multitasking. Your brain doesn't like that feeling of back and forth, back and forth, or as he calls it, being out of time. You know what I mean? Like right now we're yeah. all engaged in this conversation to a degree. But oftentimes when you're out of time, that's when your mm-hmm. overthinking kicks in. And and, and, the, yeah. and doing a radio show or a television show, be it nerves, and again, some people have referred to it as anxiety, and it is nerves. There's justification for it. I feel this way because, hey, I'm about to do a TV or a radio show. The anxiety where it really pulls you down is what you said, Michael. You're sitting there expecting something to go wrong and you have no reason to feel that way. Right. Yep. So, you know, and I I, think a lot of us go through that. I have uh, I have thought a lot about this because one of the challenges when talking about mental illness uh, is the fact that, especially with depression and anxiety, uh, we all have symptoms of depression. We all have symptoms of anxiety. That's one of the things we'd be talking about. Maybe sometimes it's not the correct word for it, but it's very difficult to decide when does life end and illness begin. And that can be really hard for people. And I kind of explain it this way. Um, I was at a funeral yesterday for one of my parents' longest friends. My parent, my dad died about a year and a half ago. And uh, well, just referring to my dad, that makes me sad, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make me depressed. And people misconstrue the idea that, oh, you know, like they're sad. Sad is life. Mm-hmm. It's an inevitability. We're all going to be sad about things, but that's not a mental illness that needs to be treated. Same thing with anxiety. You know, I have you, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, I'm going to biopsy this. I don't like the way it looks. You know, come back in three weeks and I'll give you the results. Well, you know, there, many of us would be really worried about that, really anxious about that. But that's not general anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. That's life. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to know where one stops and the other starts. So when mm-hmm. how do you know? when illness begins you know it's very easy for me with depression to know because it's a, a totally different feeling it's 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 like first of all i can't relate it to anything that's just like uh now because i'm uh, i'm on medication i was gonna say medicated but that makes me sound like like i'm in a slumber all day long <laughs> i'm medicated oh my god one sec i gotta get one of those dentist things that that uh suck up the drool medicated. <laughs> and my dad was an orthodontist where's that equipment now <laughs> so I, I think with me it's depression is is uh, uh, this specific feeling that is very difficult to describe, which I think in a lot of ways is why the stigma exists. You know, you can't prove it. And I, I think if we could show somebody a test, whether it be a biopsy or a blood test or an X-ray or anything that indicated Michael 
battles depression. Oh, my God. Look at those depression numbers. He's at a seven. Wow. You must Mm -hmm. be really struggling, Michael. I think that the stigma would disappear because people wouldn't question, is it real? But for me, depression is the specific pain that I feel. It has ways it manifests itself that I can describe the loss of the ability to experience joy. Mm-hmm. I've, I've probably given this talk 200 times and in front of live audiences, I always ask the question, you know, I'm, I, I say this, how many people have battled depression? And depending on the audience, sometimes you'll get lots of people to put up their hands and sometimes you'll get no one that puts up their hands, depending on their motivation to do it. Are they surrounded by coworkers or, or what? So I'll say, I'm going to tell you four things that have uh, that I've experienced with depression that I believe every person with depression experiences. Not some people, not most people, but every person, because I've never said this and had anyone raise their hand. And I say, okay, well, put your hand up if that's not you. And the first thing is that loss of the ability to experience joy. It's not that good things don't happen to people with depression. You have exactly the same chance of winning the lottery if you're depressed as if you're not depressed. But you can't feel it. So you win the lottery and you're beyond excited because you know what it can do intellectually for your life. You go, oh, my God, I just won $10 million, right? Like I can do anything I want now and I can leave it for my kids and all of that. That's not the same as feeling the joy from it. And that for me is the most profound aspect of depression. Mm -hmm. So when, when I wake up on a bad day, I know I know that nothing that day is going to make me feel good. You've, you've explained that to us before, and I've thought about it after we've had these conversations, you know, because again, you know, ha- having been in therapy and felt anxiety, I know I've never felt that. And it's interesting, this, this guy that I've referred to already, I've read his book recently, and he's a, again, he, not only does he work with athletes, he works with uh, uh, actors and, and musicians. And this phrase always runs around my brain. He said, when the source of your, the thing you love, when the thing you love becomes a source of your misery. And, and, that, and that struck me because, you know, he said there, with athletes, there's a big difference between overtraining and burning out. And I said, what's the difference? What is the difference? How do you feel? How do you know when you're burned out? He says that when you no longer get joy from the thing you love, when it becomes a source of your misery, that's burnout for an athlete. Yeah. And that's kind of what uh, you're talking about for a human being. It is. It, but it, it's like. You know, uh, I, I use uh, I look for uh, metaphors or analogies to explain something because you can't explain mental illness without using examples from other aspects of your life. Like you don't have to explain to anyone. Um, oh, my. I you know, have this terrible toothache. You don't have to explain to someone what that feels like. Right. Everybody knows like that's physical pain. And I understand it. Uh, but with something like depression, You have to look for ways that people might be able to relate to it. And, you know, for instance, COVID, one of the things that comes with COVID, for me at least, was loss of taste, the ability to taste, the ability to smell. And that, to me, is the best analogy to loss of the ability to experience joy with depression. Because when you're depressed, and uh, in, in the clinical terms, people see it as depressed in terms of your surroundings. So they think to themselves if they like you and love you they want to do something nice for you so you will feel better the problem is 
you can't do that because you're not treating the illness. So doing something nice for somebody with depression is a great thing to do, but don't expect it to be a treatment for the illness and the loss of taste. Like, think about this. Uh, you you can't taste or smell because of COVID, say. And even though you're feeling better, you're still going through that. Imagine if someone said to you, you got to try harder. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's right. You know what? Like, like, how could life be that bad? You're eating like the mm. best pizza in Toronto. Uh, and if you have any suggestions, uh, I'd love to hear it. Um, I don't know why randomly I threw that out there. It's okay. But it's, it's like... It sounds absurd and no one would say that in that context. So I look at it with depression and mental illness in general. Um, you mentioned COVID. And again, it would be nice to have some kind of a monitor, a, a mental illness or depression monitor through COVID. Has it become easier for people to talk about? Because it was so it was such a problem through COVID. Was there I mean, a marked leap forward as people saying yeah i have you know what i i it's easier for me to to admit that i have a problem here or i i am a person with depression i i, I don't know because that's kind of like above my pay grade to mm-hmm. to be able to uh to be able to uh go beyond my you know my my own experiences with people but every study shows us that we're no better today at sharing and and mm. by sharing i mean you know the really important stuff which is sharing uh you know an illness like depression or anxiety with the people around you uh and then going and reaching out for help we know mm-hmm. that the the still the majority of the canadian population will not discuss will not share will not chase the help for an illness like mm-hmm. depression or like anxiety so i i don't know and i'm sure we're doing a bit better but um mm-hmm. it's kind of depressing too uh, but that's not depression the illness that's depression the life circumstance i understand it's kind of, de- but, but, but it's I- kind of depressing though that we are i, I kind of look at the start of the let's beat the stigma let's stomp out the stigma i kind of look at it it started with the first bell let's talk day yes. right so 2011 the whole world now starts to talk about getting rid of the stigma and it's kind of it kind of sucks that it's still here and it's popular to say things like oh my god i think we're doing so much better uh mm-hmm. I, I don't think we are but I, what I was, what I was going to say is at the beginning of the um, when I introduced you, I do believe you and a lot of us uh, people talking about it. I mean, I think it is at least a little bit more in conversation and things like on uh, September 15th, the uh, Canadian premiere of When Hope Breaks Through. I, we've, I'm just going to let you know because you're a TV guy. We've got about three more minutes, four more minutes. So I want to make sure before we leave, because one of our listeners asked uh, about this. Danielle wrote, uh, fabulous that Mike's, Michael's going to be on to say a little bit about Mike Shorman and the fact that he and Michael star in this movie. Is it a documentary? Explain what When Hope Breaks Through is and how people can see it. Well, I'm not sure I can answer those questions. So I was I was like a guest on that, meaning they interviewed me uh, in my house. OK, uh, very, yeah, very professional shoot. But uh, I'm not sure how to tell people how to see it. I haven't seen it. Uh, and uh, I typically probably won't watch it only because. I don't like watching myself. Yeah, I get, I know. Uh, you know, it's funny, like in my career, I started off, uh, I couldn't watch myself. Then I got to the point where it was like, yeah, I'm okay. I don't really care either way. And now uh, for a while, I've gone back to the point where it's like, oh, <laughs> no, God. But, uh, you know, Shorman did something really cool uh, across. Uh, he paddled across 
all of the Great Lakes. Oh, um, yeah. Which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't call them the Great Lakes for no reason. They are big and they are wide and they are long. And I think uh, his story is a great one. And you know what? I take it back. I will watch that. So, OK, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad we turned you around on that, Michael. Yeah. You know, well, what? damn it. I'm going to watch that. <laughs> well, you know, Howard and I were interviewed. They're doing a CFNY documentary. And I've thought that, you know, every so often the subject pops up and I think, I don't want to see that because I don't want want to be sitting there when the part that I'm in comes on. Yeah, me neither. How about this? Um, I don't want to be there watching you either. That's what I was saying. (laughs) Yeah, I I think we're, let's all vote. How many people want to watch Fred? No, no, hang on a second, Mike. I'm going to tell you something. We've been doing this show together, Fred and I, for 34 years. and And I don't know that I've ever listened to an entire Humble and Fred show. I mean, we used to do these things after the show with our boss where he would excruciatingly make us, we called air checks, you remember this, and listen to bits of the show and I just want to fucking kill myself. But even with this podcast, we've done 2,000 plus episodes and yes, sometimes to check the volume or some kind of audio thing, but I've never listened to an entire episode. It would make me sick. I've got the best example of being uncomfortable with that and I should finish with this and say, you've been a great audience We'll see you soon uh, because it's that good. Last week, I got a text from my brother-in-law and it said, hey, I was watching uh, on Netflix. There's a series on uh, on doping, right? On uh, I, I don't remember what it's painkiller. Uh, no, painkiller. I watch pain, yeah. painkiller. Painkiller is great. Yeah, it's awesome. That's scripted, right? Yes. Um, this is on, this is on uh, on steroids. Oh, OK, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. So he says to me. Oh, my God, there's a clip of you on Sports Desk in 1988. (laughs) So, you know, I go, oh, you know, I I don't really want to watch that or whatever. So he sends me a clip of it like he shot his TV. And it's like, oh, my God, who is that? Like, I I think uh, at at that point, I was probably uh, I, I think I was still 30 years old. I looked like maybe 20 years old. My voice seemed like it was a little higher than this. <laughs> uh, and it, like looking at that is tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tough because, you know, the, you, you go, wow, you know, like I, I was like once a kid. Yeah, we all were. I'm not, I'm not a kid. But, but to the rest of the world at the time, you were a very talented young fella, you know, and that's. But he, in retrospect, yeah. when we look at ourselves, it's like, oh, Jesus. Well, I've heard. Yeah, I've, why I mean, would I, anyone hire yeah, me? Yeah, I've heard clips. I grew of up our, on TV. I've heard that, clips. That, I've heard clips of our show. When Fred and I first started, I was 29. He was 33. I've heard clips of that show. And honestly, we sound like teenagers. Mm-hmm. Isn't it true, though, when you hear clips of yourself from a while ago? Like, for me, my voice sounds higher. Yeah. It's like I'm always rushing. And when you rush, sometimes your voice goes up a little bit. And then I'm yeah. thinking, oh, my God, I'm talking like this all the time. Holy Listen, man. shit, Landsberg. Yeah. Hey, well, I Mike, I just want to ask one quick question. You know, they uh, about your dad. Um, they say, you know, doctors apparently shouldn't shouldn't attend to their family. Did your dad was he your dentist? Was he your yeah, orthodontist? Was yeah, that he's an orthodontist? And I, I think it's different because 
as I used to joke my dad all the time, like being an orthodontist, you don't you don't inflict pain on people. Sometimes you get you inflict this dull ache when your braces get tightened. Yeah. Right. But it's and it's not like, you know, it, it's it's uh, you're risking anybody's life. So uh, I think the rules are different for an orthodontist. So, yeah, my dad did treat me and he uh, I didn't need a lot of treatment, but he put a bar in. It's called an, an arch. That mm-hmm. you're supposed to wear the rest of your life because if your teeth were crowded, they'll go back to being crowded if you don't wear it. It broke. I didn't tell him. One day, my mom says to me after off the record, "Hey, watch the show today. I think you had lettuce on your tooth." <laughs> I go, "What?" And she That's says, great. Yeah, "I think you have some lettuce, and it's actually a shadow that comes from my teeth no longer being straight." Michael Landsberg, uh, we uh, it's always great having you on the show. Hashtag sick not weak. Uh, he's uh, pivoted again. I'm going to use that to something called Isolation Nation 2.0. Always a pleasure having you on. And hopefully, uh, we're going to talk to our producer, uh, Toronto Mike. We should have you back on every so often because it's been too long. And always great catching up with you, my friend. You too, Fred. Nice to see you. Uh, okay, say buddy, hi to our mutual. Uh, we know someone mutually. Right on, buddy. I will. Do All right, Mike. Okay. Michael, take care. Uh, Michael Landsberg. And uh, just uh, if, you, if you're curious about Isolation Nation 2.0, just to go, uh, you know, Google it up. And uh, this uh, When Hope Breaks Through is a documentary about Mike Shorman, and it's uh, downtown Toronto on uh, Friday, September 15th. And uh, Fred, while we're waiting for the Sherpa, let's take care of some business. Oh, right. Yeah. Let's do that. I don't have to talk about the Sherpa this morning. No. Although I love talking about sure the Sherpa. Sure you do. Let's talk about Bodog. Uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they have been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's Bodog. Boron One is advancing the next world-class boron project in the heart of Europe, uh, a significant supplier of boron, as we've been talking, a critical element in the current global decarbonization effort. Boron One's low-cost, high-grade, arsenic-free resource is unrivaled globally, and the rapid and steep growth in demand for borats will establish Boron One as an important source for the market. Uh, I've been saying this for a while. It is everywhere. You know, I had this conversation with my buddy Daryl Croft yesterday about the world of electric vehicles. And, and you know, this guy knows, Daryl knows more than, you know, anyone that I've talked to about EVs. But he was also interested to find out that there's a lot of boron in the entire electric vehicle experience, including the battery, housing, etc., if you want to know more about Boron, now's a good time to do it. Go to boron1.com. That's boron1.com. Um, we're a little out of order here. I've just sent a note to uh, the, the retirement Sherpa. So uh, the Toronto Mike is uh, standing by and Dan is standing by. But everybody can just cool their jets if the uh, Sherpa... Let me just tell them... <clears throat> Uh, see, we should we we should get Tim on first before everybody else now. All right, that's fine. Just turn, ooh, no Danny, that, yeah. Daniel. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. aggressive yeah. with the mic volume. Oh, I haven't changed in since last time. Oh, there but comes I know he's uh, and reconnected and maybe that's very exciting. So here comes uh, Tim Niblet. 
Okay. Um, so Dan, you just uh, it's cool, you know, just go chill out, do whatever Dan does. Um, okay. And Toronto Mike, we're going to uh, just have you wait, stand by for the shirt because the shirt is really he's the star of this segment so everyone else can just suck it uh-huh. okay so uh toronto mike you go away for a bit uh let me get this on here look at shirt is looking great uh-huh. and here yes. we go there's uh like this that Tim Niblett is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, member of the Canadian securities people. You know, get protection. You get to protect. Tim at RaymondJames.ca. Tim, how are you, sir? Uh, we're doing great, thank you. I uh, had the joy of playing Glen Abbey uh, yesterday on a beautiful sunny day, and first time in a long time out there. Mm, nice. You know, I used to live about 10 minutes from the uh, entrance to Glen Abbey, and when I was there in Oakville and a member of Club Link, I would just wander over there at the end of the day when all the tournaments would be finished. And I, I sometimes at around 6 o'clock at night, I'd have the whole back nine to myself. It was pretty sweet. For a lot of Canadians, you know, that's an iconic golf course that we have access to. It really is. I mean, uh, we took it for granted to some degree because we were members there the year before Glencairn opened. And Lorna and I, nice old-timey name according to Dan yesterday, uh, you know, enjoyed many <laughs> time. She, she, she learned to uh, learn to golf at Glen Abbey with a three-iron off the tee, off the fairway. Mm. That's impressive stuff for that girl, that's for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go ahead. No, I was going to say, why don't we get we want to get right to it Mm -hmm. uh, because there's you know, we've been looking at this all week. Uh, This is a continuation. And we had a conversation with Tim recently about value investment and advisory fees, which I'm I'm sure, you know, is you have those conversations with potential clients about what exactly people are paying for. So let's continue that. Yeah, I just wanted the listeners to think about uh, themselves and and uh, do they even know what they're paying? How are they paying it? And and really, at the end of the day, there's not a lot of variance in the the costs that I've seen, but there's a heck of a big variance in the service delivery, right? So, I mean, one of the first things you'd look for, hey, it's no guarantee of anything, but mm-hmm. uh, you, you wouldn't go to a doctor that doesn't have something on the wall about the schooling or whatever and all. So, you know, what designations do they have? The CFP's almost table stakes nowadays, a certified financial planner. Uh, but there's a lot of kind of mainstream advanced ones a, a canadian investment manager a portfolio manager a hedge fund specialist and and so so it just shows commitment to the the industry and the position of course traditionally when you first meet with people how quickly does that question come up what's this going to cost me not not much frankly mm-hmm. uh it, it it's something we bring up uh, it's not the focus, but it's certainly something that should be discussed again. I, I think that's probably the case, Fred, where people don't know what question to ask, so they don't really ask it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are the questions that you'd like people to ask uh, when when sitting down with you as a potential client or as a regular client? Yeah, de- designations are one, uh, as mentioned, of course. Uh, what, what licensing 
do they have? There are some people who are solely licensed for insurance products. So investment-wise, they can just use segregated funds. Now, you can do a great job with this set, but you'd probably prefer somebody who had more metaphorical golf clubs to, to hit the ball with sort mm-hmm. of thing. So it, it's just important to know there, there's ways to screw up when you got everything to choose from and do an awesome job when you got a little bit. So, uh, but again, just one of the pieces of the puzzle. I mean, what other resources do they have? How much does their firm help them out with uh, estate planning or, or tax minimization? These are super important things past how your statement looks for mm-hmm. for the month mm-hmm. uh is is it something that's available and and uh is that over and above or is that part of what's uh included yeah and right down to the software you use right as far as projections and everything go and uh laying it out uh futures and all that kind of thing software for sure uh mm-hmm. i i would suggest something you should ask uh no is is how do they manage the money what what mm-hmm. process do they use is there a process right or or do you know nobody makes it up as as they go along or whatever i hope but uh you know when i was 31 too i i flew down to new york I interviewed for vp for footlocker for the entire country that was a few years ago mm-hmm. um but all that to say is i got a little bit of a business background before even getting into the industry right so ultimately how somebody even runs their practice is going to affect their service delivery their attention to detail and a lot of things that uh uh, again, you're probably paying for, so you may as well get them. And, and also this idea of being, you know, enjoyable to deal with. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. you, that's 10 out of 10 with the Sherpa. But that that is something to consider when you're sick. Because a lot of times, yes, it's not just about the numbers. It's about a relationship that you're going to have with that person and the people that person is supported by, whether it's the people in their office or others. That's got to be a consideration. I've got a business in town here I'm just dealing with, uh, you know, I don't really want to, but we, we've got their product and need their service. And they're just, they never honor promises. They never get back to you. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're nice, but they're not overly competent in my view. So absolutely, right? D- does your advisor reach out to you on a regular enough, appropriately regular uh, basis? Do you look forward to talking to them? Do you uh, feel good about them honoring what they've committed to to do for you? These these are important things. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going through that right now. I uh, ordered some glasses three months ago and still don't have them. But that's <laughs> it's, it's funny. I was just thinking that. It's too yeah. bad we didn't have that conversation on there because oh, that we was. Will one oh, day. we Believe will, me. my we friends. Will. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that uh, when it comes to all of these things and more. Uh, you're, you're, as you say, you're paying for them. You might as well get the most out of it. And I love how you uh, finished off your note. Professor Nibbled Nose. <laughs> Always a pleasure, my friend. Hopefully you... Uh, so you're going to... I won't see you again. I'm, I'm not uh, at Glencairn again for another couple of weeks. Oh, I might not go out then. Oh, it's okay. So I'm going to have to reconsider. All right, pal. Thanks, Timmy. Good to see you, brother. Great for me, too, boys. Enjoy and profit. Have an awesome week. Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. That's the man for sure. He's a honey bear. He's a honey bear. Yes. Mm. (laughs) That's what he says. He is a... Yeah, we got to have that uh, eyeglass conversation. We got to carve out a good 20 for that. That's a hot 20. I've just about come to the conclusion that I'm... 
I'm dead in the water with this thing, so we can have Okay. Well, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, let's get to Dan Duran's news. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes to ask for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low uh, By the way, the uh, reference to Dan Duran's wang in that song was pre-recorded and not part of Dan Duran No Dick Joke uh, Day Okay? And, but and it doesn't matter because that was Pete Cunio. That was Pete Cunio. That was not us. Yeah. And the bet He's continues. He's not part of the content. Exactly. Now, live from his trailer uh, on a lake, beautiful times, uh, movie anchor man Dan Duran. Coming up, an ethical question for you. But first, the cash of bag story. The bag of cash story. Sorry. <laughs> the cash of bag story. <laughs> one could say, one could say, Speaking Fred, of your bag. Yeah. I was going to say, one could say that Dan was dick lexic. Couldn't one, Fred? <laughs> You're on the edge there, Howard. No, That's no. True. I That's used the, on the edge. No, no, it's not. Yes, it, I, is. it was a play on words. A Connecticut man says it felt like he won the lottery when he discovered a bag with nearly $5,000 cash in it lying in a parking lot. So he decided to keep it. Three months later, he's been charged with larceny. Apparently, the Trumbull police uh, said that the bag was clearly marked with a bank's insignia found outside the same bank that it was uh, going to contain it contained cash from the town's tax department and uh, there are also numerous documents inside identifying the rightful owner of the cash as the town of Trumbull that's according to the police the man Robert Withington said that he didn't steal the money and he didn't think he, he didn't notice anything inside the bag mm. indicating who the owner was so he just decided to keep it Remember the uh, cartoons when we were kids that the the bags of cash were always just a bag with a big like a money symbol on them. Yeah, dollar sign. Dollar sign. Yeah, you always thought, well, that's how banks (laughs) distributed. (laughs) (laughs) They they wanted you to know. Exactly. That's where the cash was. The rich rich version, right? Right, right. So what's the ethical question? Yeah. The ethical question is, would you have kept the bag? And let's say... There was uh, no marking in it, but there was a bank nearby. So there's that. And would it be a struggle for you to do whatever the right thing is? Um, yeah, that's interesting. And uh, num- another question, should should he be charged? It's like whether you would keep it or not. And then a second question, should that guy be yeah. charged well, larceny or theft is the is the question. If I were his lawyer, though, I mean, it's the simplest defense in the books. It's finders keepers, my friends. I would say, your honor, my client, Mr. Trumbull, or whatever. And the fi- I-, I cite uh, finders keepers, losers, weepers. But honestly, that would be tempting if I, you know, and it was, I guess, in a bank parking lot. If I found a bag of cash with 5000 bucks, I wouldn't go probably running into the bank saying, here's your money. I might take it home and ponder it for a while. Mm, I, I hear so. How can I maybe launder this? 
<laughs> well, yeah, because you're you're because because you're big in the money laundering world. Um, I would look around and see. Well, I'd what be googling how to money launder. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like and erasing your history. Doll would come. What's in the doll would come in and go. What's in the laundry? Oh, that we're laundering money, doll. Um, I would uh, look around and see if there were cameras. Number one. Would I? Would I? Would, would would any of this be caught on camera? Like if it was just like in a back alley and an edit thing. I think uh, I would say I'd give back the bag of cash, but I might pocket a few dineros and say, "Well, I don't know. I just found it only had four thousand in. I don't know where that other thousand went." Yeah. Of course, we know the answer for Dan, who never once called in, you know, faked being sick. You'd probably give it Son back. Son of a preacher, man. man. You'd probably give it back and add some. <laughs> yeah. I had it Here's for your money Here's back. Your Would you like a new toilet? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Can I help fix yeah. something around here? Because I just feel so good. But the other well, question is, should this guy be charged? Yeah. I mean, his defense is... You know, I didn't go and steal the money. I didn't proactively take the money. I found the money. So should he be charged? I don't think so. No. Personally. Um, How about you, Toronto, Mike? Would you keep the money? Take some of the money? Or would you go into the bank and say, what's your podcast? Uh, How would you like me to produce a podcast for you? About this money. About the money that I found. That detail about it being bundled up, like with bank notices and stuff, like if it's blatantly obvious that it's from the bank, I think then you have to give yeah. it back. Yeah. Just plead ignorance. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't that. read bank I words. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I like right. that foghorn, leghorn impression. That's that, right. Uh, I say, I say, finders, weepers, <laughs> losers, finders, whatever. Creepers. Creepers, like losers, weepers. Mm. Uh, anyway, Mike, uh, Toronto Mike is here, producer of the program. Yeah. I did notice you changed on the calendar. Then <laughs> the name Lang's Dart. To Landsberg. Listen, Howard, it was, I put Michael Landsbert. So instead of a G, there was a T. And I find it amazing that your brain thought that might be someone else. I know. I know. I know. I know. Well, and I I heard you fixed it in real time. Go ahead. You got such a vast array of guests. It could have been a Michael Landsbert. Landsbert. I was actually disappointed when it was Michael Landsberg. I, I did want Michael Landsberg. And by the way, you mentioned money laundering. I just want to point out, Humble and Fred, your podcast could be a great money laundering scheme. Like, you could be laundering money through your podcast. Really? Yeah. Well, let's have like, that conversation. ideal for that. Yeah, like hmm. those little coffee shops on Queensway with nobody inside. Like, hey, Humble and That's Fred. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's like three or four bars where there like they got like six guys in each one of them playing yeah. some kind of weird Russian right. game. Right. Uh, Toronto Mike, uh, we do have another program to record, so uh, whatever you have to say, this is the okay, end of the minute. program. One minute. I have one thing to say. Well, in addition, I do have one quick uh, fact here. You guys were kind of surprised the other day. I think it was last week that like Dan and Howard and Fred as hurricane names, they all got used pretty recently. Like you were surprised, but I'm here to tell you until... Pretty recently, like until 1979, you only named hurricanes after women. Mm-hmm. You did not name hurricanes after men. So, like, it would, the men names didn't come till like, later in history. Well, I was surprised because I thought, you know, they're not going to name any hurricanes after Howard because hurricanes, as you know, are anti-Semitic. Hey, no, I don't. Oh, is that true? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Holy All right. Hurricanes so, oh, hate no, Jews. Oh, <laughs> right. No, no, no. I was just saying I, they did that. I guess they thought it wasn't fair. 
right? right? That they just be women's name, not men's. And I wonder when there's going to be a push for ethnic names now. Like, I think there already are ethnic names, aren't there? Well, Howard's a pretty ethnic name. Is it? <laughs> no, I'm Jewish. saying like Hurricane Yosinder or something like mm-hmm. that, or, or whatever. But you know, right. you know, it's coming. Oh yeah, if it's not here already. Well, if a hurricane, oh, I'll tell you what, if a hurricane hits Brampton, they're going to have to. <laughs> oh, was that, was that was it too over the edge for you, Mister? No, 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 edgy, edgy. It's good. It's good. Uh, Dan Duran, thank you for your service, and uh, we oh. have one. We have. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, you had I something 60 else. Sixty seconds. Sixty seconds, and then yes. it'll okay, happen. Okay, go. okay, okay. Because whenever you guys go into your Trump talk, you kind of allude to the fact that uh, people push back against it. Maybe not everybody loves all the Trump talk, but I'm here. I'd argue with anyone. I'd argue with anyone that. Uh, the Trump haters all flew the coop like in 2017, 2018, and everyone listening today, your loyal listeners, I think they either enjoy the Trump talk or they tolerate it with a smile. And I would not hesitate to get all Trumpy if that's how you're feeling. So just don't feel guilty about getting all Trumpy on your show. Thank you, Producer Toronto. Well, Howard and I had a strategy meeting prior to the show this morning on that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, brace Go hard. I think a lot of people hard. love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I was going to say, if there is a place we could put up a sign that says, you know, like they do at work, you know, uh, this many accident-free days. So we are now at one Dan Duran dick joke free day. Mm-hmm. And when we return on, uh, when are we back? Uh, the, the the 12th, right? You're back on Tuesday. So Monday is Labor Day and you guys need to rest. Uh, Tuesday, you're doing a live show, but we need to tell the listenership that Wednesday, no, no, no. there's no live show. We're, no, what, what are you talking about? You got the memo. We're shutting her down for the week. Yeah, we're not doing oh, a live. No, I only got. No, I didn't get the memo. Yeah, you I saw you were on. You were memoed on that. You said not a, no sixth or eleventh. Uh, yeah, said. but then Fred yeah, came but, back saying, "Well, we might as well take." Oh, I the didn't see that. Thing off. Reply to all. Oh, I probably didn't reply. He's I didn't good with that, the reply so. all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you really it. aren't because I you, you replied to me, but I maybe you didn't reply to Mike. Right. So, all right. So what's the what, what day is it now? Well, now it's only Bill Brio that day. So basically on the 5th. So we're going to be off now, Mike, until the 12th of two, uh, of September, because I, I can't work on uh, the 11th. All right. I'm glad we're talking because I thought you were back on the 5th. So uh, you're back yeah. on the 12th and I'll yes. make my adjustments. Thank you. for. The and update. by the way, we should just make this decision now. We should start our uh, our four days so that we would work that day. That we we would work twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. Okay, Fred, Freddie, are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Dan, how okay, about you? I'll pop on on the Thursday show like I used to. Absolutely. I won't tread on uh, the great Dan Duran on my Wednesdays. Okay. Good. All right, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, everyone, enjoy uh, your uh, humble and Fred long weekend. Happy Labor Day, uh, everyone. Uh, stay safe and uh, Dan Duran. The last word. This to you. episode of Humble and Fred. We okay? This episode was coming in, Fred. Well, that was me. That was breaking. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> verbal that's verbal what, breaking. That's what it's going to sound like when Dan finally has a stroke. Humble and <laughs> this episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Aaron Ventures, evnet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. We read all of our emails, and we've got that Thursday email show coming up. 
Actually, it'll be a Friday email show by the time you get your entry in. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Tell us what you think. Liking, subscribing, all that helps us. So does writing a review. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, no Dan Dick uh, mentions. That contest continues on Tuesday, September 12th. So until then, enjoy every gourd damn day. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?